0: So in a group of this size, let me ask you a question. Does anybody here have any problems you're dealing with? Or, or are you living a problem-free life with no anticipation of problems in the future? Do you ever go through things in your life where you sort of ask the Lord, why do I need to go through this? you ever have been there? Do you ever, as beautiful as life is, as wonderful as life is, life is a gift. But sometimes, sometimes do you feel like life is a battle? And your problems have you outnumbered? That's exactly where we find the people of Israel in our passage today, a passage that is all about trusting God for victory when the odds are stacked against us. You know what? You and I, we picked a great day to come to church. Let's pray. Father, we we come before you just in awe of you. You are great and you are glorious and you have promised us victory over the struggles and battles we fight in life with victory in you, Lord. And we just pray that today we would come with open hearts to hear your truth. I, I don't know if there's a passage in Scripture more clear than... Deuteronomy chapter 7, for how, how much you love us and how much you care for us and how you are here to fight for us in the things that we go through. So I pray, Father, give us receptive hearts. Give us open hearts to hear your voice. Comfort us with your truth, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7, and while you're turning there, and I'm turning there, let's look at a, what a few people have said about trouble. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day, each day has enough trouble of its own. So here our Lord is telling us that trouble is part of everyday life. It just is. <coughs> How about Winston Churchill? He said, when I look back on all these worries, I remember the story of the old man who said on his deathbed that he had had a lot of trouble in his life most of which never happened. <laughs> Got to think about that, huh? Churchill said that you and I can spend a great deal of time in our lives worrying about and being afraid of things that never happen. wonder how much time you and I have spent. How much time have you and I wasted being in fear and stress over something that never happened? And finally, in the wonderful song called Surrounded by Michael W. Smith, if you don't know that song, you should listen to it. It's a great song. Michael W. Smith says this to the Lord, this is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. How would this kind of perspective change how we respond to our problems in life if every time... We get into trouble. We just see ourselves surrounded by the Lord instead of surrounded by trouble. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, the people of Israel were about to go into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, but also a land full of powerful enemies. And and as we can imagine, the people of Israel were very excited about the milk and honey, but not so much about the powerful enemies. If we were with the people of Israel... I think we'd be thinking the same thing, like, Lord, why can't you just give us this land? Why can't you just give it to us? Why do we have to fight for it? Have you ever ever prayed a prayer, something like that, to the Lord, where you say, Lord, why do I need to go through this period of struggle? Why do I need to go? Can't I trust you, Father? Can't I just pray and you fix it right now and I go on and I glorify your name and I praise you and we go on from here? Why do I need to go through this prolonged season of trouble? Deuteronomy chapter 7 actually answers that question for us. We'll get to that toward the end of the chapter. Let's start with verse 1. Moses says When the Lord your God brings you into the land where you are entering to possess it (coughs) and clears away many nations before you the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and stronger than you. Israel was not even in the land yet. They had not even crossed over to go into the land yet. And here already Moses is guaranteeing that they are going to have victory when they get there. Moses said it's not a matter of if God comes to our help, it's only a matter of when. How can Moses be so confident? How can he stand up in front of everybody and make that bold, confident statement that the victory is won even before they step foot in the land? He can be so confident because God already promised them the victory, and Moses had absolute trust that the Lord always keeps his word. Would you like to see a wonderful truth about God that Deuteronomy chapter 7 tells us? Would you like to see just an absolutely phenomenal truth about God? Of course you do. That's why you came to church. Look, these are two things we can take away from Deuteronomy chapter 7, actually from the whole Bible. God's power is irresistible. Nothing can stop the power of God. God's power is irresistible, so He can do everything He says. And God's promise is unbreakable, so He will do everything He says. God can do and God will do absolutely everything He promises us. That's fantastic news. It's okay to smile. It's good news. When God promises us something... We can live in the absolute certainty of it. Even if God promises us something off in the future, we can live and enjoy the certainty of it today. Now, we just see here that God promised the children of Israel that they would have victory in the promised land. Well, what kind of promises has God made to you and me? Let's look at just a few of them. 1 John 2.25. Yeah, here's a promise. This is the promise which He Himself made to us. Not much, just eternal life. How can we know for sure we're going to heaven? We can know for sure because God promises when we give our, put our faith in His Son, heaven is a guarantee, it's a lock, it's a sure thing. It is. The instant you and I trusted in Christ, our eternal life with the Lord began that very moment and will never end. That's why for you and me in Christ, we can make plans. We can, we can plan not only what we hope to do this afternoon and tomorrow, we can plan for what we hope to do a million years from now. And forever. Isaiah 40, verses 29 to 31. Here's a promise He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, He increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles, they will run and not get tired, they will walk and not become weary. God promises that He has strength. But not just enough strength for himself, he's got plenty of strength to share with all of us when we're feeling weak and tired. And feeling weak and tired is a condition that I spend a great deal of time in. I don't know about you. But how often do you go through life and you just feel weak and tired? If you feel weak and tired, this promise is for you. It's wonderful to be young and have, a, have strong bodies and knees that work. That's wonderful. <coughs> But our greatest source of energy is not our youth, it's our Lord. Sometimes it's hard to wait for God to resolve our difficulties. It's hard to wait for the victory. But the Lord promises us that those waiting periods, even though they're really difficult for us, our waiting periods can be the greatest source of power in our lives. One more amazing promise. Romans 8.31. You know this promise. (laughs) Paul says, what should we say to these things if God or since God is for us? Who is against us? Who who are we worried about? God is on our side. Who are we worried about? Brothers and sisters, this is how we have to look at everything in our lives. Absolutely everything. Our human brains... Tell us we need to worry. Oh, i got to worry about this. If I don't worry, I'm not participating. i gotta, I got to really mull this over. i got to stress about this. Our human brain tells us we have to worry, but here's what God says. God says, I'm with you. I've got this. Trust me. I'm with you. I've got this, God says. Trust me. Yeah, life is a battlefield sometimes, but hallelujah, Almighty God is for us. He is with us, so who or what can stand against us? Moses actually tells the people who's standing against them. Look back at verse 1. Moses lists lists seven nations that are occupying the land that God has given to Israel. He says, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And just in case the people are not doing their math, Moses adds, seven nations greater and stronger than you. What kind of pep talk is that? (laughs) Seriously? Moses says, welcome to the promised land. Your enemies outnumber you seven to one. Armies and fortified cities are united against you. They are greater and stronger than you. That's his pep talk. Well, here's a news bulletin for you and me. Just about every problem we face is bigger and stronger than us. Just about everything we face in life is bigger and stronger than us. So let's, let's think about this. We need to think about this for, for a moment. <clears throat> if, most problems, if most problems we face are bigger and stronger than us, what does that tell us? What does that tell us, that our problems are so much bigger and stronger than us? It tells us that the strength and power of our troubles only proves the superior strength and power of God to overcome our problems. The power of Israel's seven enemies only prove the magnificent power of, of Israel's God to overcome those enemies. Whatever we face, and it can be scary, but whatever we face, God is always overwhelmingly bigger. Always. Always. <clears throat> Sorry, <clears throat> I was worse last night. Psalm, psalm 46 1, a magnificent psalm. God is our strength, our refuge and strength. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Do you know what ever present means? It's fantastic. Get this. Here, God is comparing His help. God is comparing His help with the trouble that you and I get get ourselves into and the trouble that you and I face. And God is saying He is closer. He is more present than our trouble is. So in other words, God's saying no matter how close trouble comes to you and me, God has given us His promise that He'll always be closer. Whatever you go through, I know. I know. It can get really hard. But whatever you're going through, whatever trouble you face, God promises that He will be closer God promises to be our fortress, our safe place in battle. But here's the thing about a safe place. We have to go to it. We can't be standing out in the middle of the battle. oh, there's my safe place over there. That does us no good. We need to go to that safe place. We need to rely. We need to depend on the power of God. We need to trust His power and strength in our battles. And one of the most fierce battles you and I face and fight in our lives is our battle against sin and temptation so many problems in life. So many problems in life can be avoided when you and I avoid sin. When we decide to obey the Lord rather than disobey the Lord, we can save ourselves a lot of trouble. Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if at the moment when we trusted in Christ, He just took away all of our sinful desires so nothing tempted us to disobey the Lord anymore? Wouldn't that be great? I trust in you, Lord. Oh, good. Hey, nothing nothing tempts me anymore. Wouldn't that be awesome? God promises that you and I already have victory over all of our sins in Christ. But in his perfect wisdom, God knows that you and I need to fight against our sin every day of our lives by trusting and relying and depending on his promises and his strength. We see this in God's command to the people of Israel over the seven enemies. Let's look at the next few verses, verses two to five. And when the Lord your God delivers them, the enemy nations before you, and you defeat them, then you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them and show no favor to them. Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will quickly destroy you. But thus you shall do to them. You shall tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars and hew down their ashram and burn their graven images with fire. God chose the people of Israel to be his instrument of judge, judgment against seven evil idol-worshiping nations. God commanded his people to totally destroy the, the enemy and anything to do with idol worship. In effect, in effect, God was telling Israel to treat these seven nations like cancer. Like cancer. You don't play around with cancer. You don't put a bandage on cancer. You attack it. You must root it all out. You don't dare leave one tiny little cell of cancer left in your body or it can come back. It can take you down, just like any tiny little bit of sin left in your life can take you down. One commentary said it like this. It's really good. Those who want a relationship with God... If you want a relationship with God, you cannot be seeking also a relationship with the unfruitful works of darkness. This means for you and me, we can't attack some sins while we try to make pets out of other sins. (coughs) We just can't do that. We can't attack some sins while we make pets out of other sins. We need to learn how to look at sin the way God does. And God tells us we must get rid of it. We must attack it. We must get it all out. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, we need to understand that God gave this one-time command to ancient Israel to destroy these seven specific nations that were in the land that God was giving them to possess. God is not telling you and me to go out and attack evil people. God is telling you and me to attack the evil desires in our own hearts. So why does God care so much about the people of Israel? Look at verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. How did they become holy? Well, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. The word holy means set apart. The people of Israel didn't set themselves apart. God chose to set them apart for himself. About 1,500 years after Moses, a man named Peter wrote the same thing about us who are in Christ. He wrote for 1 Peter 2.9. He said, "...but you are a chosen race." a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. With love beyond our imagination, with more love than you and I can possibly imagine if we put all of our imaginations together, God has chosen to love you and me and he has chosen to call us to live for him and not to live for ourselves. Let's read on, verses 7 to 8. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of the peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath, kept his promise, which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The Lord chose the little, small, insignificant nation of Israel because he loved them. He loved them. And he had made a promise to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would make them a great nation. And God always keeps his promises. Likewise, God has chosen little you and little me because he loves us. He loves us. And because He's promised to save all who trust in His Son, not because you and I are great, but because He is great. Verse 9, this is great. So He says, Know therefore, be certain, don't have any doubt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who ca- keeps His covenant, keeps His promises, and His loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love Him and keep His commandments. The phrase, to a thousandth generation, means an everlasting number. It means that God loves us and will keep His promises to us forever. So when will God ever stop loving us? When will God ever break His word to us? Never. Not ever. Verse 10, But the Lord repays those who hate Him to their faces to destroy them. He will not delay with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. The phrase, repays him repay him to his face, means God's judgment on those who reject him is a sure thing. It's guaranteed. Count on it. Moses wants his people and us to understand that you and I have two very clear choices to make. We don't have three. We have two. We can love and obey the Lord and receive everlasting blessing. Or we can rebel and despise the commandments of the Lord and receive his judgment. That's the two choices. In the next verse, Moses strongly urges obedience. Let's read verses 11 to 15. (coughs) Therefore, Moses says, therefore, because of those two choices, therefore you shall keep the commandment and the statutes and the judgments which I am commanding you today to do them. Then it shall come about, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you His covenant, His promise, And his loving kindness, which he swore to your forefathers. Verse 13, he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, your grain and your new wine and your oil, the increase of your herd and the young of your flock in the land which he swore to your forefathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There will be no male or female barren among you or among your cattle. The Lord will remove from you all sickness and he will not put on you any of the harmful diseases of Egypt which you have known but he will lay them on all who hate you wow do you see what this tells us about god god loves to bless obedience god loves to lavish his blessings on those who obey you and i we can try as hard as we want but we cannot we cannot outlove the lord just can't do it. Today, you and I are not under the law of Moses like the ancient people of Israel. You and I are under grace that comes when we put our faith in Jesus. In Jesus Christ, all, past, present, and future sins, all of our sins are forgiven in Christ. However, however, even under grace, when we choose to disobey the Lord, we make ourselves vulnerable to the, to the destructive nature of sin, which can bring all kinds of trouble and all kinds of misery into our lives. We need to learn to look at sin the way God does. That's what this passage is all about. And Moses reminds the people again in verse 16. He says, you shall consume, you shall destroy all the peoples whom the Lord your God will deliver to you. Your eye shall not pity them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that would be a snare to you. God declares that every sin, even those sins that look harmless to us, (laughs) every sin is a snare. Every sin is a trap, just waiting for a victim to step into it. Every sin, even the ones who go, well, that's not so bad. That's not one of the big sins. That's just one of the little sins. That's not really just a bad thing. Even those sins are a snare are a trap they're just waiting for a victim to step into it, and God is begging you and me, don't be that victim. Trust Him instead. In the next few verses, these are great, Moses comforts his people because they're facing fear, of probably one of the most common fears that you and I face in life, which is fear of the unknown. Let's read on, verse 17. Moses says, if you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? Do you Do you ever look at a problem and say, this is too much to handle? This is too much. How how can I possibly get through this? How can I possibly get through this? Too much. Lord, it's too much. I I can't do it. I can't do it. Instead of giving in to those fears that we feel, we can do something else instead. Let's look at verse 18 to 19. Moses says, you shall not be afraid of them. Instead, you shall well remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt, the great trials which your eyes saw and the signs and wonders and mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples to whom you are afraid. Moses tells the people, if you really want to overcome your fear, the best way to overcome your fear is to work very hard on your memory. Work hard on your memory to remember. Remember, remember the faithfulness of God to you. Remember what God has done in the past. If you have a lousy memory, especially where things of God are concerned, if you have a bad memory, do yourself a huge favor. Who deserves the favor more than you? Do yourself an amazing favor. Write it down. Make a list. Write down one thing. Write down five things. Write down ten things. It doesn't matter how long your list is. Write down a list of the the things that God has done faithfully for you in the past. Write that list down and keep it close to you all the time. Don't put it in your Bible because you probably don't have your Bible with you all the time. Put it in your pocket. Put it in your purse. Put it where you can see it at all times. And every time you face a new problem or you start worrying about an old problem, get that list back out and read it. And well remember how good and faithful God has been to you. The Word of God is telling us this. This is just a truth from the Word of God. The best way, the best way to face our fears is to turn our back on our fears and face the Lord. That's the real way for a a believer to face our fears. Turn your back on your fears. Face the Lord. Look His direction. Always, always look His direction. Verse 20 gives us another reason why we should always look to the Lord. This is great. I love verse 20. Look at this. (laughs) Moreover, Moses is saying, okay, in addition to, wait, there's more. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet against them until those who are left and hide themselves from you perish. Here's something else we need to always remember about the Lord. God works in unexpected ways. He just does. I think God loves it. I think God loves to do things we can't see coming. He loves to work in unexpected ways. God often solves our problems in ways we can't even see. We never saw that coming. Here, God promises to to send the hornet against Israel's seven powerful nations. Now, the hornet can mean one of two things. Either God is going to send real swarms of very angry wasps into the enemy camp to make them miserable and disable them, or the hornet can also mean terror. God is going to put a terror into their hearts. Either way, it means that Israel is going to face an opponent that is in no condition to fight. God's going to see to it. So there might be more of them, they might be bigger and stronger, but they'll be in no condition to fight. Why? Because of the hornet. That's amazing. God does things in amazing ways. We can always trust the Lord. That's the beauty of, of knowing God, having a relationship with the Lord. We can trust Him. Even when we have no idea how He will accomplish His plan, He always does. That's why we need to make that list, so we look back. Things always look clearer in the rearview mirror, don't they? It's like, wow, I never saw how God would get me through that, but He did. Verse 21 You shall not dread them, for the Lord your God is in your midst, a great and awesome God. We all face, we all face dreadful things. I know. We face dreadful things. We face very stressful times. But that's when we need to remember. The Lord is in our midst. He is with us and he is awesome. This means that he is unstoppable and unlimited. When you're in those dreadful situations, your helper, your Lord, your almighty God is unstoppable and unlimited. Remember I said at the beginning um, that sometimes we might pray, Lord, why do I have to go through this period of struggle instead of you just fix it with one prayer and we move on? Remember that? Verse 22 gives us the answer to that question. Look at verse 22. The Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little. You will not be able to put an end to them quickly for or because the wild beasts would grow too numerous for you. Moses tells the people if God allowed them to come in and swiftly defeat the enemy in one quick battle, the unburied corpses... And all the, the land that is left uninhabited would attract hordes of very dangerous animals. God thinks of everything. God thinks of everything. That's why we need to trust Him. He thinks of everything. We need to trust Him. God always does His work, His way, according to His perfect timing. God works little by little. That's His way. He works one step at a time, and we can be sure of this. We can be absolutely sure of this. Anytime God waits. Anytime God waits in your life, He waits for your benefit. God is not paying attention. God is not distracted, go, oh my gosh, I forgot about you. Let me get back to that. No, 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 I do that. God doesn't do that. God is saying anytime He waits, it's for your benefit, even if it doesn't feel like it. When God does not give us quick victories, it's because He always knows what's better for us. This is a great passage to come back and read again when you're going through a prolonged struggle. Even though the battle for the promised land will take time, however, the victory is assured. Look at verses 23 to 24. But the Lord your God will deliver them before you and will throw them into great confusion until they are destroyed. He will deliver their kings into your hands so that you will make their name perish from under heaven. No man will be able to stand before you until you have destroyed them. Yeah, Israel's outnumbered seven to one. But you know what? God never cares what the odds are. And neither should we. Neither should we. Israel has seven huge problems ahead, big ones. But God promises, them, promises that the battle is already won. Moses closes with, with this warning at the end of, verse, end, of, end of chapter 7. Let's look at verses 25 to 26 together. Bill, if you want to bring your team up. The graven images of their gods you are to burn with fire. You shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves or you will be snared by it, for it is an abomination to the, to the Lord your God. You shall not bring an abomination into your house and like it come under the ban. You shall utterly detest it and you shall utterly abhor it for it is something banned. God did not forbid the people of Israel from taking the gold and silver that was in the land. He only forbid them for taking this detestable gold and silver that was associated with idol worship, which which God hates, which God abhors. Likewise for you and me, you know, God never, never forbids us from having good things. God loves to give us good things. God just forbids us to have the things that look good but our traps waiting to destroy us. We need to think about the things we have our eyes on. We need to think about our bucket list. It's not bad to have a bucket list. We just need to think about the things that are on them because sometimes the things we want are things that are not good for us. So we'll close with this thought for homework, for life work, for you and me. Life is a battle. But our awesome, unstoppable Unlimited God is in our midst. He's with us. Let's well remember His faithfulness to us and let's trust Him for victories that He has promised. Our prayer team will be here to pray with you at the end of the service. Let me close in prayer and then we'll have one more song of worship. Father, we just come before You as weak and weary people unable to battle many of the enemies in our midst. Father, thank You that You have promised us the victory. Thank you that in Christ our victory over sin and temptation is already won. All of our sins, past, present, future, Father, you died for. You paid the price for. Father, please help us become men and women that trust you. Trust you in the midst of the storm. Trust you in the midst of the battle. Lord, let us be men and women that put worry and stress aside and focus on prayer and focus on your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen.